Thank you for joining us for Under the Water Tower, a ministry of Fellowship Baptist located under the city water tower on Mormon Mill Road. Go ahead and cough, Joni. You tried. <laughs> I was covering it up. I jo covered that, y'all. I covered it. Jo jo Joni's over here it dying of the Rona. Fit well with that Mormon Mormon Mill Road. She choked on it. Uh, on Mormon Mill Road in beautiful Marble Falls, Texas. We don't just love the Bible. We love talking about the Bible and talking about how the Bible informs our life in this world. Recording here in the sanctuary today are... Joni Wallach. Misty Grimm. Daryl Fishbeck. And I'm Jamie. Yeah, here we are. So, it's hot. It's so My hot. My car told me yesterday that it was 109. Anyone got a higher reading than that on their car? I think I went to the dollar store yesterday. It might have been 109, I think. But yeah, yesterday. Now, the day before was like 110 in my car. And what did you buy at the dollar store? I Snacks. had to go buy. Snacks. I made a roast, of course, yesterday. and so You I bought a roast at the dollar store? Say, no. <laughs> I made a roast. I was shopping at the wrong dollar you store. You are ambitious, young lady. And the recipe I have I calls for a beef. can of cream of celery soup. So I, of course, did not have cream of celery soup. So it is disgusting. No, I'm telling you, it makes the gravy, it gr the grease, and then the. Soup. Do you know how to make gravy? Of course. <laughs> With cream of celery soup. <laughs> of course. I don't make it often. Just throw a packet of powdered gravy in, yeah. gravy in the roast while it's cooking. And exactly. It's, Call so, it good. But so you're not you're talking how hot it is, but you're still got your oven on making a roast. Crock pot. Crock-Pot, so you're, do you, are you one of those people that turn your oven off like when the temperatures get hot and don't turn it back on until fall? No, I don't no, care. You just turn the air conditioner down. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So what do you do when it gets hot, Joni? You got a swimming pool, don't you? We, ha we have a swimming pool, so we, we use that. Although it's kind of steamy, like it's not even cool, cooler in the swimming pool, so I don't know. And I'll do anything not to cook, so. Anything? So, yeah, well. I don't know. Your husband does most of the cooking, though, at your house, right? He likes to tell people that. He really doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> he cooks the big flashy meals. So, so your husband, comma, the liar, <laughs> comma, Hot mess. sometimes cooks. Sometimes he cooks. He is definitely the better cook. The better cook. I've eaten food that you've made before, though, I think. Teamwork. Well, he usually makes sure everybody knows that I actually did do something when when I cook. Like he'll be like, "The one meal of the year, here you go." <laughs> so when it gets hot, you just jump in the pool. Just jump in the pool. You don't have a pool, though, Daryl. I do not. I have don't a have pool. a pool either. You have a pool. I have a pool, and the water is like—it's not even lukewarm now. It's like hot. Hot. The bugs are even not getting in it because <laughs> it's not even cooling them off. So. It's a hot tub. <laughs> you know that it's hot. That's awesome. It's too hot for the bugs. So what you don't do you have a pool, but you have a lake. You have a lake. I do, I do. And I have to admit that when you're really pool. hot, you jump in the lake, and then you get out, and then like the, the winds blow. It doesn't matter how hot it is, it, you're cold. Mm. It's a really great feeling. Um, what do you drink when you're hot? I mean, what, what cools you down? Ice water, lemonade? Yeah, I'm usually water or iced tea for me. It's iced tea. I, I will say this. We helped Haley and Jordan move last Friday, <clears throat> and it was very hot. And they were moving from the third floor to the third floor <laughs> in a different apartment, no elevators. And by the time we left, um, Easton and I stopped by Chick-fil-A, and I always get their tea. I was like, lemonade sounds really good. I need 12 and gallons of tea. It was about <laughs> half sugar and half lemonade, but it was the most refreshing thing I think I'd ever drink. Mm. Did you pour it on you? Just, mm -hmm. like just about. <laughs> My youngest daughter has got me uh, 
uh, onto these uh, Arnold Palmers where it's like half mm. lemonade yes. and half tea. unsweet iced, iced Those tea. Good. Those are that's I was shocked. I don't like lemonade, but mm -hmm. that's really good. Yes. Yeah, I don't know. I like them separate. I don't know that I like them. I'll have to try. You so you don't know if you like it or not. You've I not don't. tried it. I don't, so I don't you can't tried it. really say that, Daryl. Oh, okay. <laughs> I said I don't know. <laughs> no, all right. Uh, so I hope wherever you're at listening, you're not as hot as it's been here this week. And if you don't, pause there's and go get your lemonade and come back. There's a, <laughs> the rumor is there's a cold front coming through. It's going to get all the way down to like 97. Oh, that's Jeep driving weather. Like, Jeep I don't like to drive the Jeep over 100, like not speed limit. So I was about to home, say, but, you know, it doesn't go over 100. It's shaped like a brick. So, so, so you don't like to drive the Jeep over 100. It, it, you say that like someone's like, drive, drive, <laughs> with a gun at your head. Yeah, no. Like Jeep if it's under pressure. 100 degrees outside, it's it's too hot to drive around with, you know, no doors, like no top. like a hair dryer. Somebody just has exactly. a hair dryer blowing it in your face when the air's that hot. Yeah. It's just, it's I horrible. Agree. I don't, I don't have hair dryer issues. <laughs> Either does Bishbeck. <laughs> You'd be no. surprised. It takes a lot to he do does. this. You should go look at a picture of Fishbeck because his beard is epic. And as the COVID quarantine has grown on us, his beard has gotten longer, fuller, and I might say grayer. I would now say we can gray. move on. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but yes, you are correct. I like it, Daryl. Yes, thank you, Grandpa Daryl. Our verses today, as we kind of get on to where we're supposed to be, um, Colossians two one through fifteen. It's a pretty lengthy section. I almost broke it down for us into smaller bites. Uh, we, may, we may be here for a while, to be honest with you, because there's a lot going on. The, uh, the verses are uh, enlightening as to where Paul's at. So verse 1, For I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you and for those at Laodicea. And for all who have not seen me face to face, that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love to reach all the riches of the full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I say this in order that no one may delude you with the plausible arguments. For though I am absent in body, yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the firmness of your faith in Christ. Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him, rooted and built up in Him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. See to it no one takes you captive by philosophy, an empty deceit according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. For in Him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily, and you have been filled in Him who is the head of all rule and authority. In Him also you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the flesh, by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God, who raised him from the dead. And you, who were dead in your trespasses 
and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with Him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. May the Lord add his blessing to Good the reading. Stuff. You're just Good giggling stuff. over there. I know, I love it. It just, it just makes Good you want to just jump up and down. I just, I love it. Uh, what part makes you want to jump up and down? All this of day? it. All of it. All of it. That's the. Paul's not here to get mad if you say, "Well, I like this better than that." I mean, you understand that, right? <laughs> oh, I know. I know. Okay. It's just in, to me, it's just encouraging that he's he's reminding the people, and it's just and, and I'm I'm the people. I'm one of these people that he's talking to that I feel like it, I benefit so much from his words, and mm. I just love it. It is. It, it, what I like just. The, you see, he starts with this kind of just mundane. So, you know, I haven't seen you and those folks at Laodicea. And, you know, and, and the next thing you know, it's poetic. Yes. The mm-hmm. hidden treasures, treasures, the wisdom, um, nailing it to the cross. These are, these are strong words. It's not mundane at all. Bounding and thanksgiving. I mean, good words, just exciting words. So... I find that Paul is laying all his cards on the table here in these verses. It's, um, there's, um, I like it to the fact that he's aware, though he's never been there, he's aware that there are other voices speaking into the life of the church at Colossae. Right? Um, there's the Gnosticism. We've already talked about that at length. There's also, you can tell here, a legalism bent. Someone is telling them you have to follow all the rules, and if you don't follow all the rules, then you're not in the club. Uh, and he's also got this kind of, uh, I guess, Jewish custom thing going on. Uh, we really get to that in verse 16, but you can, see, which is not in here, but you can see it in these verses as well. Uh, these different voices speaking into them. Um, what voices are speaking into the church today? I was just thinking, hmm, yeah. <laughs> I was going to sarcastically say, glad there's no voices speaking to us Yeah, today, we don't but, have any voices trying but, to get inside our heads. Um, lots of voices. I definitely think culture um, and just... Um, Define your terms, young woman. <laughs> Culture's a <laughs> which big... Part? Which culture are you talking about? I'm just thinking just the the American culture, the... I don't know. Which part Rewind, let's take that <laughs> no, off. Well, this, is, no, this looks like a fun pathway. Let's you're, go. You're, you're, on, you're on your way. Culture, I think you're right. You're not wrong. But define what culture. Is it, um, last week we talked about performance culture. It's its own culture. Uh, but there's also religious culture. We live here in Texas where there's a definite religious hegemony over everything. Absolutely, I think And it's not that. to say Christian, it's just Wait, religious. What, a, a definite what? Gemini? Gemini? Define that word? I'm like a Gemini? <laughs> <laughs> it's like a chimney, but with a gem. Is that the thing you put <laughs> That's a fire wood in and burn? Gem- oh, it's not. Is that uh, Pinocchio's um, grandpa? A gemini is, uh, is a word that means um, uh, rule or control. So you could, you could talk about how, uh, maybe not so much today, but certainly like in the 80s, the United States had hegemony over most of Central and South America. Uh, 
the USSR had hegemony over Eastern Europe. That, that's kind of how the force, Luke. That's kind of <laughs> that's kind of how. No, it has nothing to do with Star Wars <laughs> at all. I'm just envisioning this power kind of. It, it, it is a power play. It's, it's hard to pin down, but it's there. It's not direct power. Yeah. Right. It's it's kind of a soft power, but it's control, and so. How about my notes swirling around? Oh, this, oh, that's this. not a bad way of looking kind at of, it. Yeah, just in the midst. So I would say that the religious culture where we live, this uh, religiosity, uh, though it's not necessarily rooted in gospel grace. Well, it's it the has you have to do things the way it's always been done kind of thing. So that's the traditional culture. Right. Okay, well, maybe that's the one I'm talking about. <laughs> well, that there is a no. different culture. And I also think that it's the, um, like, you're not, there's this um, underlying current to grow your church and be the biggest in the... the um, that's church growth culture. And, mm -hmm. but um, really, I feel like the, the need to grow the people is so much more important than, than growing the well, church. Well, it's... Uh, it's about individual freedom in Christ and, and walking as he, in, if you engage with him, there, there's going to be a harmony in that. But I think everyone is so searching for that sense of security. We often find a sense of security in, in community. And oftentimes when you have a community, you need rules or you need structures in place. And sometimes we shift from maybe something. I think anytime God does something unique or, or powerful, it's good and it's positive. And then humans we want how can we recreate it mm. how can control we control it? it and so if we want this to happen again we got to jump through this 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 and this and so it's even just a subtle pull from mm -hmm. what it feels like to live in the presence of Christ daily and allow him that relationship versus um trying to control people or trying to feel better about myself because if we're all on the same page, then maybe just the, the majority rules means it's right. Mm -hmm. As opposed to, then I don't have to, to engage personally. I, did, I was just a whole bunch of, I just went all over. That was horrible. You did. I'm trying to move from where Joni was <laughs> I was trying to chase at. my thoughts. You then. were swirling. <laughs> that death spiraled down the drain. You got anything uh, out of that? Good luck. Uh, so no, no, it was good. Everything you said is true. Uh, I'm working through the, the bridge in the context of the voices. So... In a community, any community, you will have a, a competition for different voices to be heard above others. Mm -hmm. And I think you see that in church life and you see it in our cult culture in general. Um, but there's all kinds of different cultures. Uh, through most of my existence in this world, youth culture has been the dominant culture, whatever youth culture is. Um, when I was a kid, I kind of liked that because I was a Gen Xer and Gen Xer culture was dominant. It was great. Well, I loved it. <laughs> Now we're not. I mean, no one cares about Gen Xers now. Mm -hmm. We're old and busted, and we're the ones holding everything together. We like, do. We care about us. <laughs> we, we, we care about us. But we're right. like now it's all about millennials and Gen Y. In fact, you'll notice the arguments, the cultural arguments, mm -hmm. are between our parents, the baby boomers, and our children, the Gen, the Gen Y and millennials. Yeah. They're, they're arguing at each other, and Gen Xers are like just going to work and doing their job. Yeah. Um, I, I, that may have been a, a mild... A mild rant. Do you feel better? <laughs> feel He's little, sweating. So. Feel a little bit better. Uh, so those cultures, the entertainment culture, the political culture, these are not always the same. And I think they're all trying to get a voice in the church. I mean, certainly I feel the pressure of people who are very political 
in their view of what church should be. It should either be, and you can go right or left. You could say it's about traditional values and we got to uh, safeguard um, certain political ideologies on the right, whether it's abortion or protect the borders, all these things that find they want a voice in the church. Where the, ch so the church hears that voice, but on the left you can get it just as much, where it's uh, equality and human rights and social justice, uh, uh, immigration reform, all these things you see on the left mm -hmm. can also become the dominant voice. And there's nothing inherently wrong with those voices in, in, in general. I mean, you're, you're entitled to your own politics. But the church has a different agenda. Mm -hmm. We should listen to the, the right, to the only voice of the Holy Spirit yeah. that leads us to speak truth to both sides, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So the left is right about some things, but they're wrong about a lot of things. And the right is right about some things and wrong about some things. But the church, to be where it needs to be, needs to hear the voice of Christ and not... And I think that's what's, that's what's lacking is, is the voice and the seeking out wisdom. You know, we're supposed to seek after the wisdom of God, and I feel like that's... Um, that's There's so many voices, it's hard yes. to seek out. Or it, you have to, you have to um, like in Daryl's sermon this week, this Sunday was you have to be still and and seek out that small quiet voice and um, so much going on and and you know and churches are striving to do better and be bigger and do you know but that's all just bigger self, faster stronger self you know gratifying and just fleshly you know and preach it sister preach it preach it <laughs> I'm fascinated by this word in verse two my Bible uh, the ESV which is um, my favorite English rendering, that along with the NRSV taken together, usually give you a pretty good feel for it, but it uses the phrase knit together in love. Is that koinonia? Uh, no, well, the love is, um, the, uh, it is, um, let's see. I'm he's, at he's reading his Greek Bible. <laughs> I am yeah. not. Uh, it is not koinonia, it is agape. Mm. So it's, but the word does not knit together. It's not even close to it's a different word. Knit's a good a good rendering of it. That's too much of a metaphor because when you see knit, what do you think? I wrote the, down the definition. Did you really? I Give did. us the definition, <laughs> Misty. You, Misty did her homework. I did my homework. <laughs> it says knit. To form by interlacing yarn or thread in a series of connected loops with needles. To link firmly or closely. To cause to grow together to tie together, knitted, to become compact, to become drawn together, tight. See, the drawn together, I you think. you pull. You pull each side. Yeah, when you pull it, it tightens it. Yeah. It's like mm -hmm. a certain nice. Mm -hmm. So this, the best part of that definition that pertains to this word, I think, is the drawn. Yes. Mm -hmm. um, it's also used of, of ligaments in the human body. Um, that it's, if you think about, you have muscle and bone, but you need something to connect all that muscle and bone. And that's, the, that's kind of the same word here that holds it together. I'm amazed by the forcefulness of it. it kind of, when you break it down to its component parts uh, in, in the New Testament language, it, it carries with it um, forced together. It's been uh, hammered together. I had a different image other than knitting. I thought of the idea of when you take two different kinds of metals or, and you pound them together mm -hmm. and you make one thing, mm -hmm. and when they, when they do your job right, you can't tell that it was two pieces of metal. Mm -hmm. That's what, so love 
shoves us together. That's a great idea. Love shoves us together and pounds us into submission. You're going like whether unified. you like me or not. <laughs> well, and if you think about a lot of times, like, that's welding, and that's by fire, and it's not always pretty, or um, it's not always easy. And I think how many times have we been knit together through those tough times? That's what I was going to say. And hardships come. You know, people grow stronger, you know, together. Their relationship grows going through hard times and the knitting. And like you said, the t- pulling and the tugging, the um, stretching, and just pulls together, pulls us together. I know what I'm trying to say, but it's not coming out. <laughs> well, <laughs> pulls us together tighter and closer. It's like marriage. Yes. Your marriage, those of you who aren't blessed to be married, uh, you're missing out because marriage is the best. People make jokes about marriage, but being married is amazing. I can't imagine not going through life with my wife. Uh, Just She makes me so much better. Not going through your life without (laughs) your wife. What did I say? You said, I can't imagine not going through my life with With my wife or something like that. (laughs) Anyway, I just want to make sure. I know know Kim knows what you meant. Kim, he loves you. Just to make sure. (laughs) What I mean is that I can't imagine living without her. There you go. Whatever I said, that's what I mean. Your house would be way Just looking too out quiet for you. without. Um, it would be it would be quiet. <laughs> now, that woman makes a lot of noise. The uh, but what happens is is you go through your marriage. It's got so many ups and downs, and you have trauma, right? Real. There's mm. death, and there's loss, and there's hurt, and there's heartache, and all these things. Um, but you you go through that, and those things are the hammer and the yes. fire. You're talking mm-hmm. about the welding that unites you together, which is why you, when, when you're young and you get married, uh, you think you love each other as much as you ever can, but you don't. You will love each other more the older you get. Uh, and what Paul is talking about, this is the unity that we have mm-hmm. so that we're forced together. Uh, now, that's a great, and love. And I, you guys know me enough to know that my, my definition of love is not an emotion. It's a choice. Mm-hmm. You choose who you love and you choose what you do. Mm-hmm. And the greatest lie we have in our world is the heart wants what the heart wants. That, I'm thinking Misty, Misty knew where I was That is a load right there. That will lead you into all kinds of trouble. Yep. He's also pounding on this treasure idea. Verse 3, so beautiful, in whom all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are hidden in Christ. And I did a little little reading on this and someone likened unto this as the Colossians have been looking for secret treasure. You know, we all know pirate treasure. Pirate treasure is where it's X marks the spot and they've been digging around looking for treasure. And uh, Paul says, you've been looking for it in all these places, the traditions, philosophies, ideas, Gnosticism, but the treasure's been inside you the whole time. And to me, that's an amazing Mm -hmm. thought, that the whole time. Do we treat Christ like a treasure? We should. Do we treat him with contempt? Hmm. I think we don't understand this. And it's simple, and and I'm going to use the same thing I've said multiple times of the difference between architecture and archaeology. <clears throat> I think so much of our 
and I, I say our, I'm thinking American, Western, modern Christianity, so much of um, even Bible Belt, if you will, church teaching is rooted in performance or building or doing or adding to. And I keep feeling like what Paul is trying to remind them of is it's not about picking up more things and doing more things. To It's, it's in you. It's about setting some things down. It's about laying some things down, taking some things off, and, and turning inward and listening. And like Joni referenced the still small voice, it's, it's so much more about listening to what God's doing inside you. And I think we so often seek external things, whether it's an experience or it's more knowledge or whether it's um, another event to go through, another service, whatever. And, and Paul is saying, don't be pulled towards all these external things. It's, it's in you, and it's a treasure. And I think once you kind of taste it, kind of tap into it, you're like, oh, wait, that is good. And, and to, to, to not lose that and not forget that. Right. And I think Paul is he's urging the Colossians and everyone that's, you know, hearing this letter being read that to maintain the relationship with Christ you know maintain it keep it keep going you know don't don't lack don't just and I think for us that's so important especially right now you know with these times we're going through because there are some days that it's so easy to just and you see it all around you know people just give up you get tired of being good you get tired of doing the right thing. You know, I went to the dollar store. and There you are at the dollar God, store. I'm going to tell you my dollar this, store story was, for was a minute. The, was this the same dollar store We are not sponsored trip? by the dollar <laughs> store, by the way. Yeah, we received no bucks. But if you want to throw us some money. <laughs> this was a, a couple days. So this was a separate was dollar a separate store. I want to know the timeline. This is not the pot, roast, celery, cream, no. chicken, whatever. That was yesterday. The pot, roast, celery this was is, yesterday. How often do you go to this um, dollar store? Well, it is on the way. I drive by two dollar stores to go home you do i do and so we needed a new cutting board and so i bought a new cutting board i found a really cute one with lemons and oranges and stuff on it (laughs) super cute well it's glass i've never had a glass it's bad for your knives bad for your knives well get rid of it because you know i cut so much salad and so many um other things on it you know not so healthy sometimes but um (laughs) and so the first time you know when I'm going to cut my tomatoes and it hits my knife hits that glass it's like I felt like I was doing something wrong (laughs) and for just a few according to Jamie you are it's bad for your knives and I thought for a minute you know it it excited me to think that (laughs) I was doing something bad and I'm like oh because, you know, Greg doesn't want me cutting on the, you know, on the countertop in the kitchen. And so I'm used to cutting on that wood. And then when that, my knife hit that glass, I thought, oh. And then it just, I, and that bothered me. After, the rebel you know, yeah, coming out. Yeah, I had out. to say, no, that's not okay to feel like that. But that's, you know, that's the way I think a lot of people feel is that you just get tired of being good. It's exhausting. So, oh, you're right about that. It know? is exhausting. You, and you can't be good enough. No. You just can't. Right. And that's the treasure and that's the wisdom. Yes. I just perceive that we don't treat Jesus like he's a true treasure or true wisdom. I think we treat him like, um, you said we don't understand this passage. I think you're right because we have taken Christ and turned him into either a, a far away distant person who doesn't care or, or just a historical figure. But he's a, a a treasure that we that we care about and we nurture 
and he's wisdom. Um, and he's not only the treasure, but he's also the treasure box. You know, he's also the keeper. In some way, aren't you the treasure box, though? Yes, absolutely. The but in him, it says in him, everything is safely kept. So I feel like, you know, he's, of course, he's everything, you know, so. That kind in of whom the fullness yes. of deity, deity. bodily yep. dwells. Well, and I think I, was, I wrote something down here that I had read recently. <coughs> it's, a lot of it is rooted, and we were talking about atonement theory last podcast or the time before, and, and how we view the cross. And if you view the cross as something that Jesus did on our behalf, and we're just these um, detached observers, and we're supposed to just latch on to some form of a belief or faith in the act that he did, I, I think that creates a, a separation between, between us when, in many ways, the cross is it's an invitation, it's, a sim, it's an example inviting us to live the same way, the pa- follow that pattern of living, of dying to yourself, of truly letting go of that sense of control and allowing God to resurrect us and letting his life flow through us, um, is, is Jesus is kind of like holding our hand and saying, I'm going to show you how to do it and then follow me. And walk through this, and I think that can be scary. And so, a lot of times, what we do is we've made the cross a doctrine or something that's information. No, I've, I've assented to that. I've agreed that I believe in that. And and there's no, I don't feel any sense of treasure in that. I don't feel any sense of power other than the risk of actually, can I trust God the way He trusted God and walk through it? And then when you begin to taste and experience that, and you're like. There's a lot more there than I thought. Well, let's play with the, you mentioned follow Jesus as a walk sort of idea. That's kind of where verse 6. So as you received Christ as Lord, so walk in Him. Um, this idea of our walk um, paralleling our reception of Christ. I think so often in the Christian tradition, we turn... Uh, being a Christ follower into a mental ascent that we do in our mind. We call that belief, but it doesn't really change who we are. But right. to, to walk in Him is different than to uh, just obey or believe in Him. Mm-hmm. I, I think we've really shortchanged the word belief into, sure, I believe, I believe in Jesus, people might say, like you believed in the Wright brothers flying. It's the same sort of idea as opposed to, no, what we're talking about here is not just I believe that he existed or I believe that he is real or I believe in God. It is I have trusted in him so much so that I'm going to orient my entire life around following the way he leads. Mm-hmm. That's and different. And we can't forget where we came from. You know, Paul, he's still in prison when he's writing these things. And he's determined and he's passionate. And he's, he's not forgetting where God's brought him from. And out of that grace and mercy that he knows God poured all over him, he's wanting to pour that into these people that he's writing this, you know, the churches that he's writing these letters to. And I think for us too, it's it's important to remember, you know, what God pulled us out of because it's in those things that, you know, um, make us who we are, make us stronger. And He pulls us out of the, the, the way we were, but see, a cynic could look at Paul, <laughs> a skeptic could look at Paul, and say, you say you have followed Jesus, and where has that gotten you? Mm-hmm. In jail. Right. You're just a loser. But 
But then it's, we got to know what we know. And that's one of those voices in the world. You got to know what you know. That's right. Well, I think they were used to hearing those back to the mystery. I know we we went on from there, but back to the mystery. (laughs) You know me. Are you accusing us of going in a great big circle and coming back around to where we started? Because we never do that. That's never happened before. But they were all searching. Like the people, they were all searching for something. They had all these different cults and different beliefs, but then that were all private and personal and then they would go and like as a community follow these um these religious things and so it was um like publicly and so it was that struggle between what's public and what's private and I think Paul is really saying here like this is what you're doing you like walk with him like publicly and privately you know it's Mm. it's um being in him but also being part of the church and the church seems where the action is. It re- just, I don't want to read too much. Into, I'm a church person. I believe in the church. Mm-hmm. I believe the church is uh, God's plan. But I think the church needs to be rightly defined mm-hmm. to, to, to meet that. But he seems to be um, saying a lot about them. There's, there's a couple of things um, that are mystical. At least twice he alludes to this mystical idea of Though I'm not there, there's unseen things at play. Uh, verse 5, he says, uh, Though I'm absent in body, I'm with you in spirit. Uh, and in verse 11, he talks about un- circumcision made with unseen hands mm-hmm. uh, or without human hands, which uh, the, I get the I'm present with you in spirit a whole lot more than the idea of whacking off something <laughs> but it's an invisible hand is like you stand against the wall and i just throw it at you uh th- that's just uh shocking uh, but let's talk about this first the the i am absent in the body but present in the spirit because i believe uh, that has a, a huge word for us where we, it had a word for them because he's in prison and he's like, I can't come to you. You've never seen me face to face. You don't know what I look like. But nevertheless, because of God's power, I am still present with you. Now he's long distance from Rome where he's in jail. And that's where we're at today. So many of the people we care about, we physically can't be around. Uh, whether it's Nana and Papa because you're afraid you might give them COVID, yep. or you're Nana and Papa and you can't go see your kids, or you're isolated at home, or you're far away from people you love. What is Paul saying? What What is the impetus behind this? Well, the first thing that comes to my mind is the difference between yeah, going... you were thinking deeply. I mean, well, I had to bet that you don't want to know where I, where I was going, but <laughs> <laughs> three different directions. <laughs> um, but the difference between going to church and being the church, I think... Right now, the, 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 the phrase and the terms of uh, I can't go to church or people, the churches should be open and stuff. Um, and, of course, I want to be here together with everyone, and I miss that. But it's not either or. Um, it's not about just going to church because you can go to church and not be the church, but mm-hmm. you can also be the church and not go to church. Yep. And I just I think there's a, a lot of people who, we talk about Christ being treasure, going to church is a part of their habit or their routine or their lifestyle. And 
they're inconvenienced because they can't go to church. And, and, and this is not everyone. I'm just speaking generalities here. Um, but there's so much more to it. And, and, and I think that's what Paul is getting at. We're, we're still the church. We're still connected. We're, we can still be together even though we're not together. So even though we're apart, we're knit together? Is that yeah. what you're saying? Very good. Way to <laughs> so tie that together. <laughs> Joni, do you think this connection is metaphor, or do you think it's actual? No, I think it's actual. Like, um, just like if someone in the church passes away, like, you feel that, you know? You what feel if they're not dead, though? What if they're just hurting? You feel that, too. Even if, even if you don't know it? Um, I think you can. I mean, I know... Um, I've been woken up in the middle of the night saying, like with this, you need to pray for so-and-so. Like, it's it's there. And so I just, um, just the bond and the spirit. Isn't there a song, Daryl? We are one in the bond of love. <laughs> we are forged together with the fires of our love to make us like each other, whether we want to or not. You I know, know that verse. <laughs> that's that's, that's verse 17. I think we're going to add. I do think, though, um, when we can meet together, we should meet together. Yeah. Like, there is... Absolutely. No, no one's arguing okay. that we should just give I'm it just, all up. I'm just <laughs> saying, I don't want to be misconstrued Because Paul would have here. loved to have gone to Colossae. Right, right. He was prohibited. What he's saying is, the physical limitations that are imposed upon me do not keep me from still being connected to you. Do, right. do you think... I just had a weird question pop in my head. You know, they, <laughs> here we go. You know, they met together. They were groups. They were called out as churches, but they didn't meet together like we do in a modern American sense of going to church. Yeah, they had bulletins and they had PowerPoints. <laughs> organs. And organs. And, uh, we have the, we, the archaeology has uncovered at Colossae, like the uh, usher badge that they wore, you know. Crock-pot meals. Uh, I'm just making that up. <laughs> yes, you know, right. okay, Disclaimer. Good. Disclaimer. Um, Jamie. So I just had a thought here. He's talking about circumcision, and, and which implies a cutting away. And if it's a it's a spiritual cutting away here, do you think that maybe right now in the in the pandemic, the fact that we can't go to church, that there may be some circumcision taking place in our lives in different ways of maybe cutting things away, or not things, but maybe cutting, um, questioning our motives. Mm -hmm. And maybe giving us a different perspective is that is that a is that a reach to try and con connect circumcision to COVID? I, I don't <laughs> think it's a reach, and I think there's a connection between these two realities that Paul's talking about. He's present with them even though he's not there. You are circumcised even though you haven't been cut. Right. Right. There, it's the spiritual dynamic of what's at play here. Now, there's more going on. I think there's more going on with circumcision as it pertains to baptism. Mm -hmm. uh, right. I think that's the real connection there. But it's still part of this underlying idea that there are unseen things mm -hmm. happening. Well, and I think it's interesting. Let me say this right quick. Paul, you know, he's in you prison. You don't have to be quick. Okay. Well, then. There's no real tape. <laughs> okay. You, you guys heard him say that. <laughs> um, you know, Paul's in prison, and, you know, he is restricted as to yeah. where he can go and, and what he can do. Um, and, and the time we're in right now, you know, so many of us are in prison in our own minds. And we feel like we're imprisoned in our own homes, you know. And I feel like that's kind of how I connected with Paul on that level. And that, um, you know, even though he does, he can't get out other than, you know, somebody coming and coming to him and taking letters, you know, like Epaphras did. Um, we still have responsibilities. 
and we still have our obligations as Christ followers to warn and inform and still help those around us, even if we have to do it from a distance. Um, you know, you do whatever it takes. Because the function of the church, though, though we do gather, if gathering is taken away, we're still the church, yes. and we're still doing the things yes. church is supposed yep. to do. I like was it one of one of you? I think it was it was one of you, used the phrase that we don't go to church, we are the church. Was that there you, Daryl? That was Daryl. That was you. That was Daryl. That was Grandpa. Daryl's very deep today. He is. <laughs> he is. He's pondering. He's uh, digging deep. The uh, so we are the church. We don't go to church. I think that's redefining this idea. So I, well, I you know, I heard some on the radio. Just an example to 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 take it secular, if you will, of uh, the medical field, that they are learning how to engage with patients in new ways that could potentially stick around as far as like Zooming and, and, and um, interviewing patients before they come in to try and check symptoms, that there may be certain situations that could ex expedite how doctors interact with patients that doesn't require an office visit. Or the, things like that. The irony, you may actually talk to your doctor more not there. Exactly. When you go, you know, you go see the doctor, he or she jumps in for like one minute, looks you in the eye and looks at your chart and you say, I, I, you know, I think I'm dying. Oh, no, you're probably not here. Take right. some medicine. Maybe you more know. of an efficient way. And they were, the, the, the interview I was listening to, they were just saying that there could be lasting implications once the, the craziness is over that may revolutionize the, the way the medical field operates so in certain situations. So what do y'all think the lasting implications for church once this is over? What's that going to look like? I think there's lots of them. I think the church will be smaller because a lot of people who come out of habit or convenience or associations or networks will fill those with other, other, other avenues during mm -hmm. this time period. I think a lot of churches might start podcasts. You know, they may decide that. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like the only. <laughs> names like Under the Cell Tower, <laughs> Under the Bridge. Hey, could we meet Under the Bridge? <laughs> Not under today. It's going to be Christmas edition. 120 degrees. Uh, the, uh, so I think, I think it's going to be smaller, in all seriousness. I think people will shake down and shake away. Um, I believe the Lord is always shaking, but we, we're due for a good shaking. Uh, the remnant is still there. I, I, I'm a big remnant theologian kind of person. Um, I think he's going to be smaller. I think it'll be poorer. We won't have as much money. I think it will also be stronger because our connections will be real and vital and not nearly as tied to location. If there's mm -hmm. one great fault in American Christianity, I can't speak for the rest of the world necessarily, but in American Christianity is we are too tightly bound to physical property. Mm -hmm. uh, whether it's the way the building looks or the, th or the ownership we have of the building. Uh, now, having said that, I'm sitting in a really nice, comfortable building right now that we've spent some money on remodeling. It's nice. I love it. I'm not saying it's bad. I'm saying we're too emotionally tied to it. Mm -hmm. um, it's not wrong to have these things, but when you define your whole essence, it's like, it's like your family. So you have your family, you and your husband mm -hmm. and your children. That's your family. Your home is not your family. Mm -hmm. You may love your home. You care about your home. You've worked hard to get your home. But you would never say, this home is my family, and if I'm somehow out of this home, my family doesn't exist. That's the stupidest thing in the world. <laughs> uh, that's not how we look at it at all. Yet somehow we do this with church. Right. We say that the building and where we meet and us getting together, 
that becomes church for us. No, that's the building. If you get rid of all of that, the people are still networked together. They're still the family of God. So, and I think, oh, I'm sorry. Uh, you, you, you can think all you okay. want, Misty. You know, at the beginning and still now, you know, those things on Facebook, you know, you have to let go of what you pictured your life to be like and be open to things that aren't going to be the same again. You know, I know. But this is exactly what I pictured my life to be like. But this, but that's what I mean. Once you get past that point of, okay, you know, when all this first happened and we had to shut down and going back in the kids, you know, classrooms and stuff, it just, oh, it just hurt my heart. And I'm just, but then as time goes on and as we see that things aren't probably ever going to be the same, regardless of what happens, you know, when you pray and you ask God to help you through that, now I can walk back there. And even though I miss the kids tremendously and I miss having our Sunday school classes and our Wednesday night classes, I'm getting to where now I'm excited about the things that are coming, you know, and I'm hopeful about the opportunities that we are going to have and that God's going to provide for us in the future. Because those kids and those mamas and those daddies are still the church yes. and they're still your responsibility Absolutely. and they're still yeah. our responsibility. Yeah. And we still lead and guide them even if we don't have the structures that, that we've come to. So I think the church will be strong. Yes, it's a very legitimate question. It's going to be stronger, better connected, but poorer monetarily, less connected to buildings, and smaller. Mm. Um, Maybe deeper, you think? Well, yeah, I, I hope so. We can't get any shallower. <laughs> <laughs> so, how, how about that? <laughs> do you think verse 6, this therefore as you received Christ Jesus and the Lord, so walk in him, is that directed to individuals or to the church as a whole? This, this, this letter is written to a church. And I believe it has individual application, but its mm -hmm. primary hermeneutic must be understood in the context of a church. A church should walk in Christ as opposed to walk in Gnosticism or legalism mm -hmm. or political machinations uh, or cultural accommodations. It has to walk in Christ now. Which involves faith and, and individual hope commitment. And grace so, yeah. and love. And Paul's saying, you know, you've learned these things. You've accepted Jesus. And why would you veer from that now? You know, why are you turning back to things that were before if you know the truth? You know, I feel like that's kind of what he's trying the to do. The great across. regressions. Yes. But how many times do we do that in our lives? Exactly. I like, never do that. We know the truth. We <laughs> know, like, God's way is the best. But then we get that doubt or that, oh, I want to control this. Or um, my plan is better than your plan. Or, mm -hmm. you know, those kinds of things. I think that's definitely happening you know, especially now in the middle of, there's just chaos everywhere. everywhere. There is chaos, and the Lord brings order to chaos. Yes, He I does. I want to now let's 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 chase the. I'm out. I'm off my nose, but you, the circumcision. What is circumcision, Daryl? <laughs> just in case someone's <laughs> listening and doesn't know. Uh, I wasn't going to bring it up. <laughs> verses 11 and 12 and 13, the Apostle Paul seems to go off on a wild Pull out my medical dictionary <laughs> here. No, seriously, what is it? Well, it's a cutting away of the flesh uh, uh, for males. Um, there is particular. a female circumcision. It's a horrific thing. Well, yes, I've heard thing. of that as well. Um, and, and God uh, began it with the, the Israelites. For, for many reasons, but it was a way to set them apart because um, no one else in the world was doing it. 
I've often uh, wondered what Abraham's face looked like when God told you him You want that. me to do what? <laughs> With what? <laughs> so, so you mentioned males. In the Hebrew tradition, it's males. They're circumcised. And it's a sign of? It's a sign of faithfulness. Of this faithfulness of? Yeah. I'm looking for a word, a specific word. Well, you're probably looking in the wrong mm. place if you're looking at Starts with C, rhymes with covenant. Covenant. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I got it. Yes. <laughs> um, so Maybe covenant. we need dry erase boards. I'm just saying. <laughs> those, don't, those don't translate well to podcasts. Uh, so you have the, the sign of the covenant that the Lord made with Abraham that was passed down through the males. And it was a sign of the law. You are under this covenant. This is the agreement where the Lord said you, and it was ratified and furthered at Sinai, right? You keep these commandments and I will be your Lord. I will be your God. That's kind of the deal they made at Sinai. That's a very loose, <laughs> loosey-goosey reading. That's sort of how it went. A covenant is a binding legal agreement. So Paul is saying you have been cut with a different, uh, an invisible circumcision. Where does, this doesn't take place on our genitals. Where does this take place? Heart. Spiritual in our, our yeah. heart. heart. Your heart has been circumcised. I therefore see this connection, the new circumcision, he's, he's very right there. He goes from circumcision that's invisible, without, made without hands, to verse 12, been buried with him in baptism. Baptism is the new circumcision. Mm -hmm. It is in the Christ age. It is the sign of the covenant that we are under with him. And the most beautiful part of this, there's a lot, lot of beautiful parts of this, but the most beautiful part of this is it's gender neutral. Hmm. Only males were circumcised in the patriarchy. But now in this age in which, you know, there's neither male nor female, slave nor free, Jew nor Greek, in this age, everyone can be circumcised with this invisible circumcision of the heart that is symbolized by baptism. Uh, how big of a deal is baptism then? If, 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 that's, if the circumcision is the law in the covenant, now we're, what then does baptism mean? I think sometimes we don't, um, I think we don't understand the importance of baptism many times like it's a tradition or um you just this is what you do but i think like the you've been buried like you you were dead with christ and you were raised to walk with him um i just the, just the heaviness of that the the seriousness of that really strikes me mm. and it changes us like circumcision i can't say it <laughs> Circumcision. <laughs> Circum too much coffee this morning. Circumcision. That's what they do in Louisiana. <laughs> That's right. How that changed. Like it was a physical change. It's change. Um, how baptism is is a change. It changes you. Because it changes your heart. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, when you ponder baptism, what about your own baptism? Uh, who who here was baptized as a child? I know I was. Who else? I was seven. That's a child. Uh, do you remember? I do remember. And then we had communion right after, and I spilled the 
the Welch's grape juice all over my Spill white the dress. the blood of Jesus on your <laughs> so dress. So I've been covered by the blood of Jesus. So I remember that part really, really well. I don't even know what to do with that. Are you washed in the blood? Yes, I am. And then tied after that, but yeah. But, um, so were you baptized in a church baptistry with everyone watching, yes, traditional yeah. style, yeah. Um, here in Marble Falls? No, um, we went to a little church outside of Dripping Springs. Dripping Springs, the drip. The drip. Okay. We just call it dripping. Dripping? Not, not dripping oh, springs, dripping. like we'd call it dripping. Dripping? But not, is it dripping springs or dripping? Dripping. dripping. It's supposed to be dripping. On the sign. Oh, I know, I know, that's not what I'm saying. I know it's dripping. No, spring. take the G off. I'm saying, do you call it dripping or do you call it dripping springs? No. Dripping. Okay, so it's just dri- dripping. The springs just goes away. It's just the dripping. The springs just go away. Okay, that, that's what I was trying to get at. It's gotcha. Just, I understand the you lose the G at the end and it's just dripping a little. I, I get that. Um, how about you, Misty? Where were you baptized? I was 22 years old. Um, as an adult. As that's an a, adult. So your experience is different than mine. Yes, yes. And... Um, I was married, and I had just had my oldest son now. He was little, three, maybe four years old. And I had explained to him, you know, what was going to happen tomorrow at church. Mama was going to go up to the baptistry, and she was going to be dunked in the water and pulled up. And so I didn't want him to, like, flip out. Mom's drowning. (laughs) And so he was was prepared for it. But for me, it was, um, like Johnny said, it was just life-changing. And not that, you know, your sinner's prayer you say the words, but then it's it's so much more than that. And for me, it was just, I was not only new in Christ, but I was starting a whole new chapter and a whole new journey in my life. And um, to be able to do that as an adult, it's, it's, I think back on that often, and I have it, you know, jotted down in my Bible at that time. And every time I go back and reference that, it just brings all those emotions back again. And it's just, for me, it was uh, it was needful and necessary. So, so for your experience is much more what Paul's talking about. You were dead and buried in your trespasses, yes. and now you've been raised to life. It's, yes. See, I'm, I was seven, too, and so mm-hmm. I don't, I, I remember making the decision. It was my decision. I knew what I was doing. But at seven, you haven't and done I've, a whole lot. And I've been raised in church. Yeah. I had an aunt. Thank you, Jesus, that took me to church, and she's the one that, that introduced me to Jesus. And um, so I knew growing up that you know Jesus was real, God protected me. Although I just I had never made that that step out until I was older and married, and you know had my kid. And then I, you, like we talked about before, I just got to the end of myself, and I mm. thought, you know, I can't I can't do this without you. And then, the neatest thing is those kind of tests. I, I, I always enjoy baptizing adults mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. of that very reason. I really like baptizing pregnant women because I can get a two for one. <laughs> um, <laughs> and hope you don't drop them. <laughs> <laughs> How about you, Daryl? I've been baptized twice. Which one counted? <laughs> <laughs> I would say so the second one. But so, so, so you had to do some remedial after and go back and do it again, <laughs> right? I, my first experience in hindsight I don't want to oversimplify it or take it away, but but just remembering back is, I think the way my ten year old brain interpreted it was I was doing what I was supposed to do, and it was I don't think I understood the gravity of it. Um, as I 
grew up, um, I believe I began to understand the gospel a little bit more, but it was about having enough courage to step out during the invitation, walk down in front of everybody to the magic spot, pray the magic prayer, mm-hmm. and have everyone shake your hand at the end of the service. And, and it was getting You're enough, in the club now. It yeah. was getting enough courage to do that, mm-hmm. and baptism was part of the package deal. I was in college, I was 19, and I went to a local revival, and I just remember having an experience. Um, and I knew I, I knew I had a relationship with God. I didn't get saved at that revival. I, 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 don't, I, I can't pinpoint a moment when I, it happened. It was more of a, a journey, because I didn't have this horrible past to repent of in the way it was always presented. It just was, I grew up around it and so I knew all the stuff and I knew all the words but it just didn't I didn't engage with it didn't re- resonate and so as as I went to this revival I kind of realized you know I, I do have a relationship with God but I don't think that that 10 year old moment was when it happened um, and so I just remember going home to my home church on Christmas break or somewhere and just walking the aisle again but saying you know I, I know that that was powerful in my life, but it wasn't what I felt was significant. I've since understood it, and I feel like I want to get baptized understanding what baptism meant. And so I got baptized, baptized the second time when I was 19, a freshman in college. Same church? Same church, actually, yeah. Same pastor? No, I think from the 10-year-old me and 19, I think it was a different pastor. How many were in between? I'm just, no, just, just those two, just because okay. I do, I do, he came, the, set, the pastor that baptized me the second time came probably shortly after that, and I knew him for many decades in that church. So, so baptism, I think, is one of those things you can stake out and say, this is when a real change happened. Mm-hmm. You know, I hear the different kind of testimonies. Like, Joni's like me, I was young, as a kid, but I know what I was doing, and it meant something to me, and I can still define my life before and after in those ways. Um, but it's not, your experience of saying, I've, I didn't come to faith in Christ in that moment. I had been on a journey. That's like the apostles, I think, you know. They spent three years with Jesus, and they didn't really get it till mm-hmm. after he was dead and yeah. resurrected. Well, sometimes I think you feel like, or I do, it's for somebody else. Well, that's for somebody, you know, that's not for me, God. You know, you, I'm so, you know, I'm, Thank, I, I'm excited for you, you know, when you're talking to somebody that, you know, telling you good news and you're excited for them, but, and you think, you know, I would love to be able to do that, but, you know, I'm, I'm happy for you, but inside it's like, well, you know, that, that's not for me, that's for her. Mm. But then you get to a place to where, you know, it is for you. And all these things that Paul's talking about here that God, that Christ offers are for us. And I think that's so important to, to remind ourselves Absolutely. of that. Is that it, the promises are for us, too. Me, too. Me. Somehow we're missing um, this constant reminder of our own baptism in, in, in modern evangelical Christianity today. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, our ba- I love our baptistry. It's outside, though, right? So we go outside, and it's, it's a, kind of a fixture on our property. But... Um, I've always loved those traditions um, that had the baptismal font by the front door as you come into the sanctuary. Because mm-hmm. every time you walk by it, you, there should be this sort of a memory. Mm-hmm. I'm in this covenant. I have mm-hmm. made this decision. So your baptism is a one-time deal. Uh, 
two times for you, Daryl. Um, get my money's worth. <laughs> two for the price of one. It's the dollar store. Uh, Car <laughs> Um It's a one-time event, so to speak, but it has that kind of, I need to revisit that on a regular basis because something has been cut away. I have been changed. My heart has been reformed, and I am in this covenant. So that's why I walk in him because I'm in this covenant and I'm, I'm now living a whole new kind of life. And that's kind of the point Paul's making. You don't have to keep living under all that old stuff because you're in a new... That's been dead and buried with you in baptism. Romans 6, uh, is, uh, I think 1 through 4, is a very similar set of passages. It talks about you, you've been dead in your trespasses, but now you're alive in the newness of Christ uh, motif. I think that really contrasts too, like not go. The baptism is. What does it do? Well, (laughs) I don't know. I was. Anyways, my words are not working today. (laughs) Sorry. Two coffee. Two two (laughs) cups of coffee. Too much. Um, The the baptism is a one time thing, but the walk is a continuous. Absolutely. And so I think, even if you are baptized as you're young, and even if we baptize, even if young. Uh, children come to us in the church and want to be baptized I think it's the the yes that's that one time coming to him but that's not the end goal it's the the walk and I think so much in my life I've thought about the baptism but not the the actual walk and let's talk about something very controversial are you walking in him if you've never uh, uh, received the covenant of baptism Paul is assuming they've all been baptized there's a clear assumption here if you're reading this letter and you're in the church at Colossae, you are a baptized follower of Jesus. Mm-hmm. If a person refuses baptism or says, I've never been baptized and doesn't have any interest in it, are they then a recipient of walking in Christ? Can they be counted in that same group? I think you can. I think there are situations where maybe even physically it's not possible to be. However, if you're resistant to it, my question would just be, do you fully understand it? Um, because it baptism is symbolic, but it's symbolic of a humility. It's symbolic of a, a dying submission, to, mm-hmm. of dying mm-hmm. self submission, and um, it's. And I know I'm oversimplifying this, but it just sounds like if someone's like, "Well, I'll I'll get saved, or I'll pray the prayer, but I'm not getting baptized," it just feels like. You're missing the whole point. Mm-hmm. You're, you're not seeing something. You're, you're trying to punch your own card, so to speak. But however, if you walk through the door and we just baptize you just because you walked through the door, then that's also missing the point. Yeah. Like, come on in. We'll baptize you. Like, have like just a, the you just che- go the through the baptism. waters on the way. Mm-hmm. The cheat baptism. So I think that's also, I mean, I think the other side of that is also very true. Well, in our tradition, is we're a, we're a Baptist church, and our tradition is not kind to us on this because I would say a lot of preachers have soft souls <coughs> what, following a... Mm-hmm. You okay? Maybe. <laughs> Choke on the coffee. I <coughs> um, so, have soft souled what, bapt- what, what commitment to Christ is to get the baptism mm-hmm. because right. that's how we measure Competition. things. You can, they used to... I Back don't to they, that culture thing. I don't know if they well, still do anymore, but they used to publish... How many people each church baptized? Well, and it's the gold star mentality for adults because a lot of times, oh, this church was leading in baptisms. 
let's go to that church and let's take their pastor or whatever and let's put them in charge of the convention or let's reward them. And so it creates this culture of competition or even just being able to say, we beat you. And, and that misses the whole point. Or you just, the whole point is to get people in the baptistry, not to get people with a changed heart. Because yeah. yeah. right. the baptism is important but it's a symbol of what has happened in the heart. And that's the church. The church is all about the heart. You know, I was reading, I finished it now, but it's um, Nourishing Children in Kids Ministry. I just finished it. Similac. And, <laughs> what? <laughs> wow. Derailed. <laughs> Sorry about that, listeners. Um, and and it, that's what it's all talking about. All one of you. It's talking about the kids in school you know, when the kids are in school, it's the teacher's responsibility to teach them, you know, be courteous, use your manners, and, you know, do turn your homework in on time, and those types of things. In the church, it's not about your conduct, it's about the heart, you know, mm. and that's the same concept. You know, if, if we're worried at church about other thing, anything other than them knowing who Jesus is and accepting Christ, then we've got it all wrong. Oh, absolutely have it all wrong. Um, Not us, but, you know. We don't. We, <laughs> we, we don't. four have all of our Well, it's together. the difference between appearances and something that's real that flows out of you. Yes. Well, let's yes. talk about what's real. He's got this metaphor in verse 7 um, that I had a lot of fun with because it, it the language. So he says, you're rooted, built up, and established. And then he says abounding. There's these four uh, words. The first three are passive participles. Passive participles. <laughs> Easy for you to say. Yeah, that's what you get for making fun of me. <laughs> Whatever a person sows, so shall he reap. Uh, so rooted, built, uh, established are participles, and they're passive. So the Lord is the one doing it. Um, Jamie doesn't root himself. Jamie doesn't establish himself. Jamie doesn't uh, cause himself to be uh, built up. God does all this in Jamie. Or, again, the church motif, fellowship doesn't build itself up. It doesn't establish itself. It doesn't root itself. God does it. The Lord does it. So he's the one actively doing these things. But I can't figure out what the best model is. When I first read it, it sounds like... Um, agriculture right so you're going to root it misty you grow peppers how'd your peppers do um well they grew they didn't grow very big but they're like super hot you can't even eat them they're so hot so they so, flourished well, <laughs> maybe all four of them yeah oh, it's quality it's quality so when you when you plant a pepper you know it's rooted you got to have roots down mm -hmm. and then sometimes my father would like when he would have pepper plants he'd stake them like right beside them because mm -hmm. Peppers, when they get like bell peppers, get heavy mm -hmm. and they'll droop over. Yeah. We did that to the tomatoes. Yeah. Right, so you stake them so they grow. So that's established. That's kind of the idea. Mm -hmm. You're gonna, you're gonna, you're gonna build. You're gonna root it. You're gonna build it up, and then you're gonna establish it strong where it grows firm, and then it's gonna abound. It's gonna flourish with mm -hmm. fruit. I think about that metaphor. I love the idea that our walk with God is something that grows. That'll preach. I'm telling you, that'll preach. You gotta have good roots. All the things, you know, all you got to have, you got to have fruit. But so much of the time, we think that we can make our own good roots. We can build ourselves That's up. right. We think that and we're the ones who are, I'm building right. roots. But actually, no, the Lord is building right. roots in you. And that's why sometimes the roots hurt. Um, 
But the other idea is that from uh, someone smarter than me uh, turned me on to this idea that probably this is a agri- not an agricultural, but it's an architectural metaphor. That the rooted is basically the foundation, think of concrete. Uh, being built up is the frame, right? The, the, the framing on the house. Established is that idea when it's strengthened. So now you have walls on that thing. You get, uh, think of um, the Middle East and the, the, the Mediterranean world in which this was written in. These uh, rock, stone homes. And then uh, the abounding is when people actually live in it and it's full of furniture and pictures and things that make it a home. And this is the idea that, uh, that this could be. I don't know which one I like best. Which one do you like best? I really like the second one the best, the foundation, the you building. Do. You know why? Because I like the other one. Mm, well, it is what it is. Um, <laughs> anything to disagree with you. Um, you don't have to work hard. <laughs> but um, just thinking about when, you, when you're building a house and how it doesn't look like you think it's going to look at first. Mm. Like you see the foundation and then you see the walls and then suddenly it's starting to take shape and you can kind of see what it's going to be. But then it doesn't really, you don't see the whole, like, the whole picture until you're at that abounding, overflowing part. It's kind of like fixer-upper when they mm-hmm. remodel yes. a house uh, and, and kind of gut it and start over and then the finished reveal. Yes. Right. Yep. So the thing about a house is when you own one, you realize there's always something broken. <laughs> yes. Al- whether it's the plumbing or a window that leaks. Um, there's always there's a light fixture. The garbage supposedly goes. There's always mm-hmm. something broken. Maintenance. And it's always expensive. That's just uh, saying. That's us. <laughs> yeah. Well, the guy comes out. Well, your problem is this. <laughs> and, yeah. you know, uh, if you'd have had the regular one that yeah. everyone else has, it'd be two hundred. But what you have here is the odd one. It's gonna cost you seventeen thousand dollars. <laughs> um, that's an expensive light switch you got there, buddy. Um, <laughs> I like the agricultural one, personally, to, to answer your question, which one do you like more? Um, because I like the, uh, the analogy of it being a living thing. Um, the elements are involved, the seasons. Um, there's just a lot of room for <coughs> stuff. That feels more, to me, that feels more Jesus-y. More organic. Jesus talked a lot about mm-hmm. growing stuff. Uh, Paul wasn't really a nature boy. Hmm. I'm going to change mine. I'm just <laughs> <laughs> but definitely I think they're the both pruning. great. I can see both. Yeah. I'm just saying I've done a lot of thinking uh, along the plant line of things mm. spiritually. Cool. I think either one works. But I, the, the, the sense is that the God, the, the, it is God who's doing this in us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The Lord is the one working in us. This in either one, we have to dig deep. Either one, the foundation and the roots are deep. And I think that's kind of what it all, in, in firm, you know, stand in firm and stand in strong on the foundation. So, without a foundation, Jesus said a story one time about, you mm-hmm. know, if it's on the sand, mm-hmm. uh, when when the storms of life come, which, again, that preaches so good. It's a, it's a Randy Travis song, mm-hmm. isn't it? Um, <laughs> it's Black Train. No, that was Johnny Cash. <laughs> <laughs> We're just going down a dark road now. So the, the foundation is essential, sand or stone. And I want to take this back where we were earlier. 
there's a lot of conversations about the church in this age that we live in, maybe what we're discovering is a lot of what we thought was a really good Christian building, a really good Christian plant that looked like it was abounding and flourishing really had no roots and no foundation. Mm -hmm. Because exactly. when the storms came, yep. it all just kind of, I mean, if all it takes is a, is, is one bad year of the economy and masks and illness to shake your faith to the core, you might didn't really have much. I was just yep. saying. Um, and nothing makes sense right now. It's like everything is opposite from what we've known. It's opposite day. But then, you know, God doesn't make sense. We don't have to understand what he's doing, you know, to, to have faith and believe that he's got this all under control. So, you know, I think about that a lot. Well, and it shows how fragile yes. <laughs> our systems are. Uh, you know, it's really since if you go back to March when some of the lockdown stuff kind of started, we're, we're looking at four months. What did they do in World War One or World War Two mm -hmm. or some of these other things where, where normal was shaken? I don't know. I'm not a historian. I don't know how long, but I think it was longer than four months that, that America was. We were World War Two lasted four years. So, I mean, here we are you know, four months in and at each other's throats <laughs> in many ways. But aren't we, we seem to be a society of we need that instant, you mm -hmm. know, instant mashed Entitled. potatoes, instant whatever, mm -hmm. instant everything. I bet you can get those at the Dollar Tree. <laughs> but, um, dollar store. Dollar store. Not Dollar Tree. <laughs> the Dollar Tree is different. It dollar is very tree different. is different. Yeah. Do dollar Tree, for those of you who may not know, there's two <laughs> kinds of dollar stores in our humble community. One is called the dollar store, dollar general, right? It's right. yellow. Mm -hmm. Everything's not a dollar. It's yellow. <laughs> is this the yellow? There's a yellow one and a green one. That's uh. how I know them. The yellow one, everything's not a dollar. It's kind of a trick. They call it the dollar store. Dollar general. It's, gonna, it's generally a dollar or five. You go in there, they have all kinds of stuff that you might need. Uh, I was able to get not Lysol there, for example, yes. right? It's, it's, you, you couldn't get Lysol anywhere for a while, but I could get not Lysol there. <laughs> um, it's 97.7% of the germs. <laughs> and it's light blue can, same kind of lettering. It just it says, you know, it, disinfectant spray. <laughs> uh, not Lysol. And it's foam. But then there's also the Dollar Tree, which is green. You can load up there. And everything there is a dollar. It's a buck. It's, see, that's a tree, and it's probably rooted, rooted better yeah. and built Founding. up and more established. My favorite you can thing get to stuff do to decorate your house there. <laughs> that's true. My favorite thing in Dollar Tree is to go in and be like, how much is this? Like, that, <laughs> that's a pastime with the Wallach family. <laughs> It's, it's so a good much way to fun. get kicked out. <laughs> Twice. <laughs> uh, I bet you've been kicked out of the ball pits at McDonald's, too. Aubrey, are you related to Aubrey? <laughs> so this phrase in verse 9 uh, says, In him the whole fullness of deity bodily dwells. I had fun digging around on this. Uh, we didn't. This is the second time we bumped into this phrase. It uh, kind of appears in chapter 1 as well in a different way. It's not as spelled out as it is here. On what do you mean when you say, in him the fullness of deity dwells? Uh, and this kind of gets us to a place we're talking about the nature of Christ. Uh, was it a human nature or was it a divine nature? The, it's all over the place. I made a short list, but basically it boils down to early on, P 
people had a hard time believing Jesus was God. They leaned far more closely to him being human, and they tried to make an, uh, excuses or some weird way that he kind of was brought into divinity. Now, 2,000 years later, we have a hard time believing Jesus was human. Mm-hmm. And we, we deny his human, human nature in some way, shape, or form, or minimize it and overplay his divine nature. But uh, wherever you're at on that spectrum is whatever heresy you tend to go with. <laughs> I made a one, two, three, four, five, six. Not my list. I brought it from somewhere else. Uh, Ebionism, which is fun to say. This one denies the deity of Christ. So he's like he's Messiah, mm-hmm. but he's all human. He's, there's no God in him. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's kind of uh, no like a David birth. figure. Yeah, yeah. Not, you get rid of those people who okay. don't believe in the virgin birth and that sort of thing. They kind of go that way. He's a significant figure, a great teacher, but he's just human. God used him to do salvation, Messiah Another, for Moses us. Moses or David or something. And then Moses squared, David squared kind of idea, but not... Not, not God. Arianism is uh, the one that you still get around a lot in different ways. So Je- Jesus is unique, and he's God, and he's like God the Father, but he's not God the Father. So he's somehow not the same substance as God. Uh, this one was around at, uh, early, early on Christianity fought this one. The Nicene Creed was mostly about, against that one. Uh, docetism is my favorite. Um, he seemed like he was human. He looked human. He said human things. Yeah, he ate stuff, but he really wasn't human. He was, he was God all the time. He just was wearing a human mask. Uh, this is the word. I, I, the reason I say it's my favorite, I think this is where probably a lot of our folks are at. Mm-hmm. They have a hard time... Um, talking about the human Jesus. It's always Jesus as God. So if you ever have a conversation with folks and you say, well, you know, uh, Jesus might have had pimples when he was a teenager. <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> That's blasphemy. Well, God would human. never have. Yeah. I mean, all the stuff that we do as humans that we have, and you can use your own imagination with all that, he had he those issues because yeah. he was human. If he didn't, then the cross means less. Yes. Uh, but I think a lot of us have are really docetics. Uh, Jesus just wears a different mask every time. Uh, Apollinarianism, that's a fun to say too. Uh, he had a human body and a human soul, but his spirit was divine. So that, 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 there's so many problems with this. I do not buy for one moment this three parts to the human composition, mind, body, and soul. That's, that's a false Greek idea that Apollinarianism plays into, that his body and his soul were human, but his spirit was divine. That's just crazy talk. Uh, Nestorians uh, don't build nests. Uh, they, they talk about Jesus having two um, distinct, separate natures. I've always thought kind of schizophrenic. So it's the that one maybe this is the one you always see in films and movies, uh, the Android Lloyd Webber Jesus Christ Superstar, where Jesus is kind of arguing with himself. It's my plan. No, it's my plan. It's your plan. We started this. No, you started this. It's kind of this mm-hmm. kind of schizophrenia, the two natures inside of him um, idea, and then you get the monophytism, uh, which means he's not 
either fully God or fully human. He's a hybrid. He's, he's like a he's, he's a, he's a, he's the ligon of divine characters. He's been cross-breeded, so to speak. Which one do you think is more prevalent? Just, just having fun with this. Where, where would you say the our folks lean more toward if they're going to be Because her- her- I, I don't think that you assign these to religious groups. I think people have these. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think a lot of people equate Christianity with being an American in general. And so if you're American, you're somehow Christian. And so they may not act Christian. Someone may not should tell the heathens that lived two, three to four doors down from me that. <laughs> <laughs> they may not act like it. They may not know what it means. They may never go to church. But if you were to say something, like you said, um, belittling about Jesus, they'd want to fight you over it. Mm. It's, it's, it's like it's part of Americana um, you can't say that, and so so you see Jesus as this God person, but you don't have this human side of him. And so, like you were saying, I kind of see the, the the docetism as as a very easy because somehow I'm giving him respect and reverence that maybe tips my scales of 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 I'm in his favor, so to speak. Yeah, I'm not against him. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think the, the, at Christmas, I always think of Ebionism because that's the sweet little Jesus mm. boy in the cradle. Mm-hmm. Um, and he just becomes, so Jesus in the cradle becomes every newborn baby. And mm. so the message of Christmas becomes human birth and <coughs> renewal and life and all the goodness and the holy family and all it's sweet. And so there's really nothing God about it. It's just, mm-hmm. it's, it's a celebration of the family, which is what we've done with Christmas, isn't it? It's mm-hmm. just a celebration of the family. Um, I think the Arianism, um, I think people just refer to God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit as God. You know, it's all God. And I don't think that they actually know the difference. And either they do know the difference and they just use it loosely or they are really don't know the difference between the three mm. and refuse to even, you know, gather information on knowing the difference between the three. I mean, it's almost like he's a celebrity. Yeah. We, we know of him. <laughs> yeah. We put him up there with John Wayne and, yes. and whoever else. Johnny Cash. But we don't really know him. We just mm-hmm. think of him as, as this I've heard, yeah, whatever. crazy thing. Yes. He's yeah. a celebrity. Mm-hmm. I follow him on Instagram. Um, <laughs> he's always got, Jesus has great posts, you know, turn the other cheek. It's good stuff. Uh, <laughs> I just, I just talk about you going off of, I just went down a <laughs> serious rabbit hole in the never, never land with Jesus's Twitter feed. Uh, <laughs> tell Herod that fox I said, stay away. Uh, so you get lots of going on here. I think that all this is true. Um, and they're all just blended. They're, the, I mean, it's like they take part of this and part of that and mm-hmm. just kind of twist all these things around because all that sounds better than what Christ really offers. You know, because none of this, most of these don't require life change. Yes. Exactly. If he's just a human, yes, chosen by God to do something special, then he's they like Moses or whatever. Well, they're taking the power out. They're taking the cross. The cross. They're taking, taking the away. Jesus' mm-hmm. blood that was shed for us. They're taking all that away. So the Orthodox tradition that we embrace, and as I say, the real answer, Jesus is not a divided soul. He's a unified soul, but he's completely God and completely man. Yeah. And so he has 
not dual natures, but one nature, but both aspects of it, which you say, well, I don't understand that. Well, good. Yeah. <laughs> what part of God do you think you're going to understand? understand. Yeah. That's why these phrases, like what Paul comes up with here, this is the best way to say it. In him, the fullness of deity dwells bodily. Yep. That's really all you need to say about it. it. But I think there's lots going on. We have gone all kinds of things. Um, we're way over time. What, what's the time on this right now? Yeah, we're pushing an hour and 20-something, but I don't think we Four have a time hours, 32 minutes. <laughs> Seven hours, three hours. Um, I mean, we're having a good time, and that one listener out there, but... We are having a good time. I think we should wrap this thing up. An hour and 23 minutes. Thank you guys for uh, listening. Uh, we've had a good time. We have had a good time. <laughs> In case you don't know it, we just enjoyed this. And uh, I'm so privileged to be here with uh, three wonderful people. Thank you for listening. Please like, share, and comment uh, this podcast on your favorite social media platform. Every click matters. You can also visit our website at fmf.life. You can listen to it there. You can listen to it at Apple Podcasts. We're trying to get it on Spotify, but Spotify doesn't play ball. We're not there yet. We're not there yet. Uh, we'll be back uh, again with more from Under the Water Towers. See you soon. Uh, dollar Store Snacks. <laughs> <laughs> Adios. <laughs> Goodbye. Don't get too hot. <laughs> <laughs>